and welcome to the gray area where I give interviews with developers, talk about gaming news and reviews, and focus on the interrelationships between gamers. My name is Genesee Gray and this is the 89th episode in a weekly series called Deja Vu. Here with me is Daniel Collette, game designer and employer at EB. Last week's episode was a discussion with Drew Smith, game producer at Bungie. Please visit www.genesee.com to add to the forum discussion on that topic, or signalsmedia.com to talk on the forums and to tell me your story. Today is Monday, November 26th, and we are going to talk with Daniel, talk about games we're playing, and have a more casual episode where we kind of go through what we're doing right now, which we haven't done in a while. So first, starting with the news of the week... Daniel, what is your news of the week? Um, well, Wii U comes out in a couple of days. For you in Australia. For for us, at least, anyway. Yes. So, um, big buzz happening here. We've got uh, midnight launches and all that sort of fun stuff. <laughs> I'm sure you're looking forward to that. <laughs> I'm thrilled. <laughs> all night long, selling the U as stampeding hordes run into the store. Yes, I need an elephant gun. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Get back, back I say. Get away from the consoles. <laughs> One right. at a time. One um, console per person. <laughs> Unless you pre-ordered two. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, um, that is all anyone yeah. is talking about right here. The Wii U, Wii U. Oh, we talked about that. And I should tell the listeners, we recorded an entire episode for you last week. It was an hour long. Very good, I must say. And uh, Skype decided that it was not going to keep the settings that the standard plug-and-play uh, hardware that is plugged and played into it uh, comes with. So we recorded an entire episode, an hour, and you couldn't hear a single thing that Daniel was saying. So most of this is probably going to be a weird deja vu experience, which is why it's called that. Yes, deja vu. It's not because we time-traveled at all. No, of course not. Continue with what you were going to say. I don't even remember what I was saying. You're talking about the Wii U, basically, and there's a lot more about it I want to talk about, but you were going to say something about it. I don't know. Something about the stores. Oh, uh, yeah. So we were doing we're doing a midnight launch for it. Um, you know, and that's that's sort of causing a bit of buzz at the moment. Um, I don't know. You know, same spiel as what we've been giving customers is, you know, Wii's, what, six, seven years old now? So, um finally decided to update it but I don't know I'm you know candidly I I don't know how well the Wii U will go whether it will end up being like another GameCube mm-hmm. where it had that really good lifespan for like the first six months and then just drop off yes well you've said I think that it's a six day letter trade-in if you want to turn in your old Wii well that price has dropped now to about 30 bucks ouch 30 dollars $30 Australian might I add yeah. so you know, you're not going to get a lot of money for this this old tech that's been around for six to seven years. 
Well, I, I spoke last time when we were recording about the DRM having an issue with the transfer of games and content from the original Wii to the Wii U, and how there is a story by Kyle Orland on Ars Technica about how he lost $400 of downloaded content trying to transfer them in the old standard, you know, memory stick back and forth method. Uh, and the DRM was not allowing him to do so because you have to create a separate ID for each console that you have, according to Nintendo. Now, this was, I guess, a maybe a week and a half ago, and things may have changed in the meantime, because I was reading recently a review for the Wii U, and it was very positive, saying that they had a a, a Nintendo network, which they were saying very good things about, signing up for a Nintendo network ID, and how that uh, basically connected you to you know, the online section of the Wii bits. Uh, you have a Wii home screen, and the thing that everyone loved about this like, it's connectable network experience is that there's a central area um, called the Warawara Plaza where all the Miis that everyone has in their different Wiis come together, and you can <laughs> click on them, and they they will tell you like what they will tell you things about the games that they're playing these these different Wiis, and you can actually draw pictures in your uh, community like boxes that. That say things so people can, uh, you know, have little messages that you can, pictures you can share and just drawings and, and things like that. So, uh, apparently this is like a social area now where you go in there and, um, you can make little emotes, you know, or notes that they're calling them that, uh, say yeah or, you know, no or whatever and kind of an interactive way to, to communicate with other Wii users, which, you know, little, uh, takes takes Facebook to a whole new meaning. That's right. Little notes that appear above their heads, and they say things like, this game sucks, or that is awesome, or whatever you want them to say. That's so, cool. So, say so you're making, like, international friends with your little me's. That's kind of neat. Which That it, is kind of neat. It's a new... We talked about the me's last time and your creeped out factor. I don't yeah. know if I want to share that again. Yeah. Uh, I just... I don't know. When... When the we the Miis first appeared, when we got our Wii for the first time, I thought they were quite a nifty little, I don't know, perk. But after a while, like seeing other people's Wiis that they were making or Miis that they were making, I was like, yeah, this is kind of eerie. Like they're like bobblehead versions of us, and all they do is run around and smile, and they're all active and crap. I'm like, this is not me at all. Because <laughs> it's active and crap, is that what you're saying? No, it's just <laughs> different personality. I'm I'm a grouch. I I I wear grouchy pants and I do all that sort of stuff. I I sit in a room that is grey and I I smoke a pipe and have like a really depressing fire. No, you don't. But they are seriously optimistic. I will give you that. I mean, they they are overly optimistic. They're like, oh my god, it's a new game! It's like, dude, calm, calm your palm. <laughs> Relax. I'm telling you my favorite one where you can uh, make them do different shapes, like, you know, put their hands and their legs down, they have to, to match into the uh, the kind of shadow form behind, and it goes, it goes down the screen, you have like five seconds to match your Wii's, you know, arms and leg position to the symbol behind them, you know. Strange, <laughs> strange little uh, puzzle pieces that snap into them, and uh, I, they I get very happy. I don't like the... I don't like the fact that they're contortionists as well. Right. I don't like, I don't like contortionists either. It's they unnatural. also hide in a crowd 
and uh, you have to pick them out. They're like stealthy. Yeah, yeah they're they're shifty. They're like breaking Asimov's like three laws of robotics. <laughs> Optimism is that not one of them? <laughs> you should not. <laughs> Cheer- cheery optimism that will kill you. Sorry, law three. Uh, yep. Optimism, unless it violates law two of trying to appear to be the avatar of the person that you are representing. <laughs> but it's interesting. They're going, to, they're going to start taking over. It is. Right. I I think I think it's a, a a good way of of you know having a visual representation of all the players there. I mean, it gives you a, a really good idea of. Of who's where and and you know all the people that are playing and you know just interaction in general and I think the other the other week I was saying that there was actually a uh, and we sort of expressed concerns over you know you have to register your your child if they're under was it fifteen thirteen mm-hmm. um with uh you know uh, a certain it's like a fifty cent fee. To, to give your child like access to a Wii account, and that would uh, that would um, basically unlock your Wii to to for for your your kids, I should say, um, when they're playing Wii U and multiplayer and stuff. Um, but no, I, it's an interesting thing, and I, I I don't know how Nintendo will police that sort of stuff, um, especially with kids that are that are thirteen or using accounts that are marked as being. Approved by parents, but you know, under thirteen or whatever. Um, maybe that'll be. The thing about the Wii U is that you have a lot more potential to interact uh, than you did with the original Wii. You can actually go through and read old posts and status messages uh, with people that you've played it uh, with recently, and so you can kind of stalk people a lot more actively. I mean, you can look at their feed, their activity feed, and and all of that. So you can. You can have video chat requests and direct messages and things like that, which I think are a little more Xbox in the fact that you can you can interact more directly, I would say, with the Wii U than you could with the Wii. So it's a little it's a it's a less safe environment, I would think. And maybe this is just the Wii U's way of kind of signing off on, hey, you know, you've allowed your kids to be here, so if something happens, you know, you signed a waiver saying like it's not our fault, sucker. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I mean. I guess sure that's that's what they were pushing for in the first place. You know, the the way Wii, Wii U was supposed to be a competitor to or an upcoming competitor to um, Xbox and PlayStation Three uh, with hardcore titles, you know, like Batman and and Call of Duty and stuff. But you know, having things like like voice chat and and video chat and stuff like that for the controller and whatnot, it's um. It sort of opens up a very, very dark section of the internet that people don't really want to go. And I mean, if you look at it this way, um, predators, and this is getting a little bit dark here, but predators on the net will find any, any means of communication, you know, whether it be something like a club penguin or, um, you know, those, those sites that are directly targeted to young kids and, and, and try and, you know, stalk their prey or whatever it is that they do um, that way. So I, I think it's it's something that Nintendo might have to look at in regards to policing, whether it, it, it comes to like a matchmaking type thing or there's some sort of verification of age or I don't know. It's, it's, it's too hard to pin down with just a 50 cent fee. I mean, I, I commend them for making an effort, but it could be worrying. 
Well, they have a pretty good, uh, I guess, filter for policing obscene words and a decent uh, library of things that are inappropriate. So I don't know if this would help in that particular incidence, but it seems as though you're going to probably have a little less um, trolling and uh, nastiness because they are filtering out an extensive list of words. So you probably won't get the, the usual messages, you know, <laughs> the sexually oriented messages that you get on Xbox uh, indicating that the person is displeased with your gameplay style. <laughs> have we have we had those before? <laughs> we probably won't get that. Uh, something that people are complaining about with the Wii U is that uh, it's it's difficult to see your friend activity because the only indicator of that is a little LED light that's a blue light. I think it's under your home button or something. It's on the pad. And you might miss that because there's nothing that pops up that you're probably used to seeing if you play a lot of games, you know, saying... That's kind of like what they did with the 3DS where... The only notification that you got, um, you know, like the street pass technology, when you walk past another 3DS, it would ping and, mm-hmm. and say, hey, you know, someone has visited your Nintendo DS by walking past it. Um, you know, it wouldn't give you a notification or, or anything like that, say, hey, new street pass or whatever. It would just give you like a, a, a blinking green light, which you would mistake for the thing being on. Uh, but you have to pause your whole game to go and look at this notification, which would be really seriously annoying. Let's say you have, you know, 45 friends, and every time they log in, you get a notification. You're, like, stopping your game every three seconds to say, like, Rabbit564 has logged in. I'm like, damn you! Well, what, even if, uh, what if it was just something not even, like, um, like the toast window that you get in something like World of Warcraft or Skype? Or, sorry, not Skype, Steam. Or Skype even, you know, that little notification in the corner that pops up and says, you know, such and such is logged on. And it pops up for five seconds and then sort of scrolls back down again and disappears. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, something like that would just, would, would make it easier where it's not detracting from the game. It's, it's very subtle. It's, it's said, you know, hey, your friend, you know, Jim, Jim Jones 211 is logged on. Um, and you'd be like, hey, I want to play a game with him. So, um, Something like that would be be okay. But the other thing I, I think, um, I, I think you remember I posted it online a little while ago on on Facebook, uh, an article about um, the Wii controller, the Pro controller that they've got coming out. Yes, the fact that it's designed completely opposite from most standard controllers. Hmm, that's um, that's something else that I'm I'm concerned of because. They've, they've said that they're trying to aim for a hard, a more hardcore market with games like Batman and Call of Duty, like I said before. But they've tried to make the controller unique by changing the buttons around. Problem with that is, is that the the they've they've used the same you know controller configuration like Xbox and PlayStation and and whatnot, where they've had the buttons up in the the upper right hand corner of the controller. Mm-hmm. And then had the the control stick, you know, on the left hand side and and lower right. Um, they're going to switch it around. So ma- basically, now um, the 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 gist of the the article is basically saying that every time you want to play one of these games, like Call of Duty or whatever, you're going to have to look down at your controller mm-hmm. and rewire your your gaming brain to remember that the buttons are down the bottom and not up the top. L three is at the top. What? Yeah, it's like, yeah, if you want to press the right button, you need to go to the left-hand side of the controller, underneath the controller, and you need to do a, a weird sequence with three fingers and uh, a unicorn. <laughs> yes. That will so, tick off people that are 
well-trained for speed and have modded out special controllers to, you know, make their hands very, uh, very used to that configuration, I would think. Hmm. So, I mean, that's, that's, I don't know, it's, Nintendo have always wanted to do things you, unique to them and, and wanted to sort of change up the way that they do things, but when it's messing with something as fundamental as a controller layout that has been used for generations and generations, I just think it's a poor choice to change the button layout that everyone is used to. Well, the uh, GameCube controllers are no longer compatible like they used to be on the Wii U, so it's not even like you can plug in your GameCube controller. There's no more support for that. So you're basically stuck with the Wii, uh, the new control on the Wii. And, and you know how much Wii loves to redesign controllers. That's like their their innovative feature, but I don't know if that's a wise choice in this case. I mean, I think they were they were wise enough to add like a tablet controller. I mean, that's definitely um, innovative. Um, you know, with multiplayer and whatnot, and having more functionality, but changing the the button layout around on a, on a controller mm-hmm. seems counterproductive. I mean, well, it's also odd that since they're they're working so hard to make researching different people and making uh, connections easier and video chat and all that, it would be strange. It's very strange not to have a universal audio chat option, which they don't. That's odd. It's very strange. You would think that would be the first thing you would think of. Uh, but no, there's no like audio chat across the entire system. It's only video, you know, person, peer-to-peer, whatever you want to call it, person-to-person um, talk, and only um, chatting as far as writing for, for, inter- for me integrations, which is strange. And people are also saying that the... Uh, the old discs will work on the new Wii U, which pretty much you're counting on, and we've talked about this before, that the old Wii was very family-oriented console, basically built mm-hmm. for family games, and the Wii U, now they're trying to change that to more competitive market, but you still have all those old games that you're going to want to play, the the group-oriented games. And you can use the old discs, but you have to create something very... You have to create like a special Wii channel, which is kind of like an emulator that allows you to to use that hardware, which is sort of awkward, and they said you have to go through several steps to do that. So it's not like you can just stick it in and expect it to just, you know, work instantly. You have to go through some steps to, to get it to play and switch back and forth to the, um, the old Wii U gamepad to the remote, you know, back and forth. Which is odd, too, because you would think that they would want to make that as easy a process as possible. I mean, I can understand if they've got limitations, but in this sort of day and age where they can take a video game off the TV and transport it to, like, a tablet controller, yeah, something like audio chat, you know, it's it's not a hard concept to to pick up and run with. Mm -hmm. Um, We're kind of picking uh, out all the bad things about the Wii U, but there are a lot of good things, and people are saying that this console is, is a basic contender for the same things that, you know, the current consoles out there are, that this has pretty much brought the Wii into the running for, you know, a console that you would want to have. Um, people are saying the online features are really great and that there is a web browser that's probably the best web browser out there. I don't know why you would care about a web browser on a console, but, uh, again, it's not my my home base, so I can't tell you that, but why would you... The online shop is nice, the browser is nice, Um but, you know, I don't know that that's essential to your gameplay in any way. The way that I view the Wii U, um, and this is sort of just wrapping up here for the Wii U stuff, but the way that I see it is it's more of a stepping stone towards things like Xbox and PlayStation 3 as opposed to being 
a contender. Mm-hmm. I like it. It definitely still has those, you know, those very, uh, I won't say juvenile, but family orientated games um, that are a lot of fun to play. And, you know, the, for example, Super Scribble Noughts, they're doing a Wii U version. Um, yeah, so, you know, those sorts of games that, that are coming to the Wii U or have been on Nintendo for quite some time will always remain, you know, that that defining feature for Wii U or for the Wii and Nintendo. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it'll, it'll be a stepping stone with these, with the games that are coming out that are on Xbox 360 and and, and PlayStation 3. Um, another example being Darksiders 2. Um, that, you know, has a bit more of a hardcore market. Um, it's more of a stepping stone than anything else. Like, I can't really see competitive play on the Wii U for Call of Duty. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, selling out, it's just completely... You have to pre-order it. It's it's difficult to hold on a shelf. It goes right away. Uh, it wasn't the best sales that they've ever had, but apparently it surpassed other systems similarly, and it's doing very well for something that everyone is basically just poo-pooing. So who will... I don't know. We'll have to wait and see what the final analysis of the Wii U is. Mm-hmm. That is that. That is that. That is that. All right, more news that you would like to discuss. Do you want to go next, or should I? Um, I, I've got a quick one. Um, Baldur's Gate. They're redoing. They're doing an enhanced edition for Baldur's Gate, um, which is actually yes. going to be arriving on PC, Mac, iPad, and Android. When? When will it arrive? When? When? Oh, she's eager. Um, it's actually being released on November 28th. Uh, uh, and there's a new trailer out there at the moment. Uh, it's being made by Overhaul Games. Um, and they've just released a new trailer for it. Um, it contains... The the Enhanced Edition contains some, some of the original and classic dungeons um, from the Dungeons & Dragons game. So, you know, like... You know, Genesee and I, you know, if you listen to the other other podcasts, you know that we do D- Death D4. Um, you know, so some of those classic dungeons from Dungeons & Dragons that we uh, play will be in the Enhanced Edition, um, as well as a graphical update. Um, and you can actually pre-purchase the game uh, from a website called Beamdog, which I've never heard of. Apparently it's American, but, you know. <laughs> yes. Um, and it's... Twenty bucks. Hmm. I'll have to see if that reboot's worth it. I like the original Baldur's Gate. It was very popular and uh, well loved. So I'll have to see uh, mm. what the review was, of this is. It was my first RPG game um, that I ever picked up. Uh, my I borrowed it from my cousin. The entire eight disc set wow. of the original game. So I've actually still got that in my closet, and I'm thinking about you know taking it out, and I won't be able to play it. It won't run on my computer, but. <laughs> You'll look at it longingly as a yeah as I as I wait as I wait for t- the twenty eighth to take over, which will I think I guess will be like the twenty ninth. So we don't have to wait too long, maybe about two days or so. Yeah. Um, until we get that. Polish but I, I do you know what? I would like to really do this. I would like to do um a, a, a test with this, and I think you and I should both get it on um iPad and play it on iPad and see how we go. With this game is releasing on iPad. Yeah, this Baldur's Gate is being released on iPad and Android. Wow. Okay, we'll have to see. I- I'm willing to do that. Well, we'll have a go and we'll see what it's like. All right. 
Now, to something that you know is dear to my heart. And it shouldn't be, considering the fact that I haven't completed the other two, but Skyrim Dragonborn DLC. Coming out mm-hmm. for the Xbox 360 December 4th, and probably much, much longer for PS3 and PC. Damn you, Bethesda. But Well, go ahead. well look at this, though. Look, they've released, they released, um, what was it, Dawnguard and um, Hearthfire on PC first. So no, they did not. Dawn Guard was not yeah, PC first. No, it was not because I was well, agonizing it about was. it. I was agonizing about it and very upset that Dawn Guard was not released for PC first. And I sat there for two weeks while everybody else played it. Well, they haven't released it on on PS3 yet. PS3 is still waiting for for, really? for Dawn Guard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Don't so then. I will complain any longer. Uh, so it'll be a little while longer, I guess, for those that are playing Skyrim and, and the DLCs. Um, if I'm wrong, please feel free to correct me and, and send Ge- uh, Genesee a message. Yes. Uh, well, we should talk about what is in Dragonborn, which you can you find out more about the original Dragonborn. And mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you told me who they were, which I got confused and thought they were the Greybeards, but apparently not. They're, <laughs> they're not the Greybeards, which would be cool <laughs> if they were. Good God, they've turned evil. We're all dead. <laughs> like this is what happens after you retire as the Dragonborn. You go to a high fortress, get on a grey robe, and speak one word for the rest of your life. <laughs> Unless you're Angram, who then just talks to much anyone. <laughs> all the others are like Angram, just blather on t- all the time. Just He's like up. the yeah, the motor mouth of the group. He's just like. <laughs> He doesn't shut up. And he probably only says about like five or six words at a time. <laughs> he is probably the youngest and most annoying greybeard. He's the youngest brother. <laughs> it's like, hey, hey guys, wanna play a game? Wanna play, wanna play Summon the Dragonborn? <laughs> like, ah. <sighs> that's all he would say. <sighs> and they, they, no, that's, that's the entire premise is that he asks that question and then. You know when you get summoned in Skyrim and there's the big like thunder type sound and the earth shakes and the whole bit? Mm-hmm. That's all of them whispering no at the same time. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and the yell of Whiterun is like, Hark! A summon! You should go to the mountain! <laughs> hmm. So tell... And then I just... <laughs> Sorry, I've realized. I just... I gotta say this. Alright. There is a biblical reference there because then you're going to the mountain to receive commandments from a grey beard dude. <laughs> right. So, is hello, no- God. <laughs> I have the voice of a dragon. <laughs> We're Teach not even talking name. about burning bushes. <laughs> so, I should probably say what Dragonborn's about, right? Uh huh. Yeah. All right. So, um, Hark, in- it's about the Dragonborn. Hark! It's about the Dragonborn. Um. But specifically the first Dragonborn. So if for those of you that have played Skyrim um, and are interested in, in this DLC, um, cool. You'll be looking forward to this. You're actually going up against the very first Dragonborn, um, who wasn't the Emperor, but was actually one of the Dragon Priests. Now, if you guys remember from the game, you actually had to go and get um, masks, special masks from um, Dragon Priests, under Dragon Priests that were like sort of Draugr characters mm-hmm. um, in the tombs and in dungeons and stuff and you could use those masks and when you use those masks and put them on a pedestal it actually put you in a, into a quest that sent you back in time well um, 
apparently that quest actually is having some sort of effect on, on the present, and the first Dragonborn actually gets summoned, um, and he wears a mask, and he's got this really cool armor and, and the whole bit. Um, so that's that's who the big bad guy is for um, for Dragonborn. Um, some of the other features that you'll get as well is that you'll be able to uh, ride a dragon. Okay. Um, again, as a mount this time, so it's not so much... Um, hey, look at my crappy horse that falls off a, a five-inch ledge and breaks its legs and dies. Oh, no. Like, not Shadowborn. Yeah, and then and what would he do? It, he'd just sort of respawn, like, about three days later, and he'd be like, I'm cool. Don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and then you've got to go find him. He's just, like, just chilling. See, I don't. The second he dies, I'm like, no, we restart that section now. Well, the other day I was riding through Skyrim, right, and... As I was riding on um, Shadow, was it Shadow Morn? I don't really uh, remember. It's Shadow something, right? I think it's Shadow Morn. Yeah, whatever. Correct us. Um, as I was riding past, I actually see, like, my cursor scrolls over this horse that's riding back through to town, and it says Fainris's horse. It was it was my horse that went missing. <laughs> like, quite literally, for a month of the time that I've been playing Skyrim. I, I misplaced it, never found it. The other day, I, I rode past it. I was like, hey, that's my horse. <laughs> I keep buying more horses. Like before I found Shadowmore, I would go to every single major city and then just buy a horse because my horses would constantly die or they would ride off and I could not find them. And I know if you summon, if you, if you port yourself or summon yourself to other places that they appear sometimes, but they didn't always for me. So I ended up having like, five horses by the time I was finished. It was just lame. And the the worst part is is that I, I sort of saw the horse and I, I figured I should probably ride it back somewhere so and then I'll come back for Shadowmore because he won't move. And then the moment I got on the horse, I sort of rode forward and I was like, oh wait, I should probably just um, put Shadowmorn somewhere safe. So I got off the horse and I got back on a Shadowmorn, but the other horse started to walk off again. Hmm. So I put Shadowmorn somewhere pl- safe, went back onto the road and the horse was gone. <laughs> So now there's another horse. The horse is back wandering in the wilderness somewhere. <sighs> Stupid horses. My favorite is when you're like riding on the mountain, you're going down the mountain, and suddenly you're in the middle of the air, and you're like 50 feet away from any ground, and your horse just slowly falls <laughs> until it crunches horribly <laughs> and rolls and like, head over heels. You're like, what is wrong with the graphics? Somebody had a problem. As a design student, maybe you could explain that to me. There's a grid problem here. There's something wrong. <laughs> that or the horse went at 88 miles an hour and couldn't keep it up, and then she sort of like jumped forward a little bit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, getting back on topic, you can you can fly a dragon around now, so you don't need to worry about falling from great heights unless you piss the dragon off. Um, nice. Or you decide to use the dragon run shout, which then renders it unable to fly. <laughs> um. Whether that's going to be an integration of um, the Dragon Shout Odoving, uh, that's the one that where you can summon um, a dragon yeah, to help means. you fight. Yep. Um, whether that, that'll be the mount or whether you can tame them or whether it's a... I don't know. It could be anything. But that's one of the other features. Um, hopefully they'll integrate that with um, mounted combat, which was in Dawnguard. Um so, who knows? I mean, it's set to be an interesting DLC. I didn't play Half-File. I didn't really feel the need to build my own house, <laughs> given that I own 
every single other house in every single capital. Well, see, I have Dawn Guard, and I've told you this, and I keep wanting to get to the point where I can fight the vampires, or at least meet the vampires, but every five feet, I'm like, oh, a new dungeon! Oh, look, wait, another quest! And I never make it to the first beginning. I mean, I, I made it to the first fortress, but I haven't made it to where the vampires are yet. And uh, eventually I'll get there once I, like, finish squirreling and herbing on, like, every single thing. <laughs> and then uh, then I'll do Hearthfire, which I also own. Uh, basically because I need to build a house that has a crap load of chests and armoires so that I can, because <laughs> I have a trainer so I can hold all of the uh, materials that I'm currently carrying because otherwise my character would be walking so slowly I would never get anywhere. So I have to have a trainer just for the, the burden section, the unburdening, so that my character can walk. So when I get to uh, Hearthfire and make my perfect house with a thousand uh, armoires, I can put away like all of my stuff, and it'll probably take me a week and a half just to unload my character, and then uh, the <laughs> game will probably be very happy with me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like a spoon! Uh, I need to have that spoon. I must have oh my god, armor. a wheel of cheese! <laughs> you should see all this stuff I'm like blacksmithing. But but the glass armor is so beautiful, but the stats aren't as nice as my other armor, but I have to make every piece of glass armor so that I can have it. Yeah. Oh, I've got so much enchanted crap that I don't use. Yeah. It's just sitting there. I'm just like, why do I have this? Sell it off. And it sort of just replicates itself. <laughs> so I've got even more of it. A thousand soul gems. So, um, maybe segueing from Dawnguard and Dragonborn and all that, the uh, Skyrim MMO. Have you spoken about that at all? No, I have not. Feel free. Um, so Bethesda have decided that it isn't good enough that you can play in an epic world with dragons and shouting at things to make them explode. So, oh, <laughs> I like next... to have things explode when I shout at them. It's a it's yeah. prerequisite of my life. Yeah, it's um, it's the next logical step to that is let's make it multiplayer. So we can all fight for the spoon. So we can all fight for the spoon in the wheel of cheese. Yes. Yes. Um. So that's that's something that's in development at the moment. Um, Google it if you if you're interested. It looks to be very interesting. Um, I don't think it'll be as epic as say everyone is a dragonborn. Yeah. But um, there will definitely be powers and heroes and mages and stuff. I mean, personally, I, I'm I'm thinking maybe I want to make a a mage if uh if I get around to playing it and it turns out to be like free to play. They're saying that uh, it's going to be out next year, so you can expect it fairly soon. And you play, you can play PvP, you can do cooperative dungeons or solo play. And there's a lot of, basically the entire land of Skyrim. They're saying Tamriel, Elsphere, pretty much everywhere. Um, so I don't know what class you'll be. Or uh, he'll be able to be, like you said, the Dragonborn and have shouts and all that stuff. But uh, for one year, that's that's pretty quick. Yeah, I don't know what's what it's going to be like the turnaround, unless it's been in development for quite some time and they've only just announced it. Who knows? Ah, well, that's true. They could have thought about this from the uh, from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And this MMO is not just for the current Skyrim. It's supposed to have like elements of Morrowind, Oblivion, like everything. So they may have been thinking about this for a long time. It's quite possible, but the fact that they're um, they're doing it now, I mean, I'm kind of keen. I haven't been 
I picked up a lot of MMOs lately. Um, really? Guild Wars Two being oh. the latest. Okay. Um, but I don't know. I if it can do something different that'll that'll pull me in, then cool. I'm waiting for that MMO experience that that did what World of Warcraft did. So that's always going to be the comparison. World of Warcraft has held the market for so long; it's hard to to say. You know, there are there are there's any other game out there that beats it. We've played you and I have played many many MMOs. You know, Star Wars: The Old Republic. Yeah, um, World of Warcraft. Um, and often, more often than not, we ended up sort of just dropping out because it was like, well, same same stuff, right? Yeah, done it all before. Let's do a couple news stories, and then we'll talk about the other games we're playing, because okay. that could take a long time. <laughs> All right, a news story that you know, but I'm going to tell everyone else, is an interesting study that came out. Uh, there's an article by David Cornish in Ars Technica, talking about some students who were studying at UTMB, which is a acronym for University of Ste- Texas. It's their medical uh, branch of their, of their uh, college. And they're a world leader in robotic surgery. And there was a, a survey put out where they were tested against some U.S. high school and college students in simulation tests. And the thing that made these high school and college students special is that the high school students played about two hours a day of video games and the college students averaged about four hours a day. And they were put against these, you know, these students who had been studying uh, medical and robotic surgery, and they actually did better. <laughs> so what they're saying is that physicians that are in practice today never really learned robotic surgery in med school, but it's a new thing that's kind of coming out uh, in the last few years. And this hand-eye coordination, visual sp- spatial experience, um, and basically being techno-savvy from playing all these video games is a great asset. And so it's something that you can... Uh, you can maybe become a doctor if you're a, a gamer or look to do something with your underrated skills. So when people tell you that you need to get out of your parents' basement, just this is a horrible uh, stereotype for gamers. Uh, that, you know, mm. there are advantages to being someone who uh, is in gaming too, and you get some, some skills, some physical skills out of it. So you may not become a surgeon, but uh, extra extra skills. You get amazing uh, hand-eye coordination for games. Um, I think, I guess, I can relate to that because uh, I've been painting miniature models for many years now, 13 years. And I think I have a very steady hand because of the video games that I play. You know, I I have very strong hand muscles from rapidly mashing the A button um, <laughs> on Pokemon uh, to, you know constantly right-clicking to loot items and stuff in WoW, so... Mm-hmm. Um, and in a very extensive Pokedex, I'm sure. Not so much, no. No? <laughs> no. <laughs> Unfortunately not. But, um, yeah, you know, I, 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 I could probably attest to that, you know. I think we've all got very technical skills with our hands that, you know, we don't quite realise that we sort of um, gain from, from playing games. Uh, just like... Uh, emotionally, uh, and this is going to sort of segue into what we were talking about last week as well, where I was, uh, referring to a, an article, um, in Game Informer. Uh, uh, what was the, it was number 35 for this year. Um, 
And it was uh, an article by Ben Reeves asking why we play um, and how our desire for games shapes our world. So it sort of links into this here where it's a little bit more psychological. Um, and this article just talks about, you know, why we play games and and how that sort of interacts and links in with our world and, and what how we end up perceiving our world. Um, just a quick rundown. Uh, we, we sort of covered it more in depth, but it was basically that there are three psychological needs um, that games fulfill. Um, so, what was the first one? I don't quite remember. Um, there are three of them, and they they were important. And you know, if you read if you read the article, if you can find it by Ben Reeves, um, it's a definitely good read. And I spent a good twenty minutes reading over it and and sort of thinking about how it affects my current day life. You know, as a as a designer and as a gamer and an employee in, a, in in the games industry. So it's uh, interesting stuff. Yes. I posted an article recently on the Gray Area Facebook page of 18 games that are supposed to be excellent indie uh, experiments of 2012 and things you probably have not played before. And one of them was Slender, which I believe I have spoken about possibly on the podcast before. Uh, definitely a thing to look at. It's free and can pick it up at slendergame.com. There are a whole bunch of other ones that I have not played, and I'm looking forward to doing. There's something called 30 Flights of Loving, Zero Escape, um, let's see, Okami HD, a lot, of, a, a lot of different ones that might be worth looking at. So if you do look at the Facebook page for Gray Area, that's listed there, and you can actually see that. Uh, mostly free indie games, you know, probably take you about a half hour to play, but fun stuff. And speaking of playing... We should talk about games we are currently playing, and I know you've got a crap load. Um, and I do have a few myself, actually. Well, you can stop. Okay. Before we do, I wanted to tell you, I made that reference about Pokédex, but um, Pokémon characters are making the move to iOS, by the way. It's coming out. Uh, like it's already out, probably. It's called Pokémon Zukon. It's, a, it's an iOS app that lets you uh, kind of have 650 Pokemon or something on your iOS. So, uh, so anyway, if you're a diehard, there you go. Games I'm playing. Um, we, we were playing Left 4 Dead 2 recently a lot, and another game that we just picked up, which I haven't even had a chance to play yet. Um, oh, I have Divinity. I have Cybermancy. Divinity. I have Cybermancy? I have Divinity, Cybermancy. I have Divinity Cybermancy, which is supposed to be a multiplayer game. Um, with our group of multiplayer people got it, and I haven't had a chance to play it yet. But it looked interesting. So a super Steam sale like all week, and a good chance to pick up lots of stuff that you might not have had before and might not have wanted to play, but they're only on sale for like 10 bucks. You can pick it up and just kind of experiment. The game that I'm most excited about is Assassin's Creed 3, which... It's so awesome, I can't even tell you. And I'm almost through the Haytham section, so I'm, I'm really slow. I'm like playing, you know, a half hour, an hour, every couple days or something. I'm not rushing the game. But the graphics are just incredible, and the story is really, um, it really draws you in. And the gameplay is fun. Uh, it's nice being a ninja and uh, doing it fairly easily. Jumping all over and climbing all over everything and you know, grabbing people, throwing them around and... You know, stabbing people with muskets and all of that. And it's everything I wanted in a game. I've, it's been a while since I've had a game where I've just, like, 
completely satisfied when I played it, and this is that game. So if you've not picked it up, definitely, definitely, definitely something to have. I have it for the PS3 currently. I know you've, have you finished it? No, I haven't finished it yet. Okay. Um, but I'm, I'm sort of halfway through at the moment. I'm at the point where I've got an adult Connor and I'm running around and I'm killing bears and stuff like that. I'm taking my time. Good. Not a rusher, I don't think. Nope. Not at all. Yes. And recently I've gotten a little back into Dishonored. I've been watching, I'm letting someone else play my account and I'm just kind of watching the game, trying to find something redeeming in it because everyone seems to love it so much. And uh, we talked about this a little, but the whole... Um, the Unreal Engine? The Unreal Engine, yes. And how there's been a discussion that that is very difficult to design graphics for that are well done, um, but that it's a better engine for movement and shadows and sort of the assassin-esque kind of qualities that would be necessary for Dishonored, but I find the skin textures and the other things in it are so, so dated and so very, um, I'm such a snob about um, the appearance of, of games, the skins of games a little bit, that I can't really play it and feel very awesome about it. So I'm watching someone else play it, and uh, and it's fun to watch, I have to give you that. Um, the problem is that the going the good route where you um, kind of choke everybody till they pass out is fine, but there's a lot of uh, inherent problems with that, considering that the terrain, if you drop that person who's now passed out, they can fall into the water and drown or roll down the hill and like get killed. And so you can inadvertently kill people without intending to, which is an issue. <laughs> I- well, they do say it looks like an accident. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, he just passed out and rolled down a hill and broke his neck. Oh, <laughs> That's god. exactly right. Like, why go to all that Is trouble it... choking somebody and then they fall into a river and drown? Is there no point? Like I was saying, I I um I spent fifteen minutes. I made a Facebook post about this as well. I spent fifteen minutes choking out every single guard in in one location, and then dumping them in this underground sewer. But I was so nervous about just the smallest amount of water just dropping them in there and them all drowning. <laughs> I didn't see those. <laughs> Tell me. Uh, it was I don't know I, I had to go in. I had to kill. It was actually the first the first main mission you get where you have to um kill the the, the high overseer. Oh. You know yeah you know the high overseer where you got to brand him as a heretic. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether you got that far or not, but um. I've seen it, but I haven't played it. Yeah, I I I went through and I choked out every single guard and I I left them in this sewer place area where there was there was a little bit of water so I left them up on high high dry land and they so there were about eight of them sort of lying in a pile so they're gonna be really confused when they wake up um, <laughs> they're naked and there's pillows. Like, what? <laughs> pillows what did you do Bob cart them down to the secret because there's actually a secret like sex room as well in the bottom of the of the um. The it's overseer's very, it's quarters. Very special jail cell. So I should I should have just dropped them all in there. <laughs> Did I, should I mention I'm drinking? Carry You're on. drinking. Yes. Ah, why well, I'm not drinking? Oh, I should get in on this. It's like the afternoon for you. It's like two two p.m. Yeah, you don't drink at two p.m. You have a problem if you do that. <laughs> all right. <laughs> um, <laughs> so one of us has to drive this boat to go. <laughs> all right. You drive the boat. I'll uh, I'll sit in the back. Um, <laughs> Is that what I meant? But carry on. 
<laughs> well, it's more fun when you're drunk. Um, don't drink and drive, kids. Um, right. What was I saying? Yeah. So there's a secret sex dungeon in the bottom of the overseer's <laughs> building. Um, I should have just dropped them all in there and then locked the room. You should have dressed um, them first in, in dress era appropriate female clothing. Pink, pink boas and like fishnet stockings. Worth worth half an hour of my time wasted. Um, but <laughs> absolutely. But the problem I had is that when I got to the overseer and I knocked him out and I took him into, like, I did the, in the entire thing stealth, never got detected. And as soon as I put him in the chair, one guy, just one guy that I'd forgotten, sort of casually strolls past and decides to check in on the door. And <laughs> he sees, sees me a there pile for- of 18 bodies in a pyramid no, no. formation and a guy sitting in a wooden chair. <laughs> is that what you're just- <laughs> He sees he sees me with a high overseer, is like strapped into this chair, unconscious, sort of holding his face with like a brand. I'm like, this is what it looks like. It's uh, I'm, I'm a dentist. A dentist. <laughs> Kill everyone, run out of the room. But oh, that's that, that's, that's what happened. I was I was at the end, and then this one guy runs off and summons six of them. So I end up having to stab them all in the face. And fleeing. Mm. So, that was a pain. And then afterwards, after I'd finished the mission, I then, you know, being a collector, I then went through and collected every single secret hidden item using the heart. Mm-hmm. Does which the heart is, freak you out? It's like steampunk, and then it has a girl's voice that's kind of whispering stuff. It's kind of weird. Yeah, and the, the controller pulsates, and you're like... <laughs> Controller's beating. It's wearing me out. Although it is a little cool how they've got the vibrate to to sync up with the with the the pulsing of the heart and it gets faster and and, and more intense the closer you get to stuff. Um, but after a while, it's sort of just when you're like standing on top of it, but it's like obviously it's hidden in a secret room somewhere, and the controller is just going mad in your hands. Too much. I had to turn the vi- vibration off at one point. So, hashtag a thousand inappropriate comments. <laughs> okay. Here's a new story. Our favorite favorite friend from Valve, Gabe Newell, is going to be in the Gaming Hall of Fame. How exciting for me. He's like joining all the greats, you know, Molly, Molyneux, Miyamoto, all of that. And I have to question I have to question Molyneux's involvement in the uh the Gaming Hall of Fame though. Do you? Why? Even though he did Even though he did Fable and Fable was a, like a great set of games. He always promised stuff and, and, and never delivered. Yeah, but does that really restrict, restrict him as an excellent game designer or just a horrible, horrible public relations person? No, he raises our hopes and then dashes them against a rock. <laughs> and did that every Fable game. He's like, yeah, there's going to be awesome new stuff in Fable 2. I lied. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the Hall of Fame of, you know, excellent moralists. It's the Hall of Fame of really good game designers. <laughs> I guess, but you know, Mr. Molyneux is is uh, he is an amazing designer, and he did uh, an amazing set of games with Fable. And I think we're all a little bit sad to see him go um, when he left Fable Journeys. Hmm. Um, don't know if it was really the same or not, but I know how you feel about Fable. You know how I feel about Fable. Yes. You only like Fable because the entire world is in favor of you. There is that. I'm a beloved king. 
I look after my people. I didn't let any of them die in the uh, the last mission. Mm-hmm. I I saved my my pennies, and I. <laughs> it's really terrible. I had to save gold, to save my kingdom. It's like, here, here's a ransom for like six million gold. Just leave. <laughs> Big shadow creature's like, okay. Picks it up, walks away. Yes. Well, I However, fund your army. But carry on. You remember? Do you, I? I don't know what you do or not, but you remember? I nearly cried when Walter died. Spoilers, but um, if you haven't played Fable Three, then you're like. What, four years too late? Yeah, you are. So so spoilers are allowed. So, I know yeah. that you almost cried, but you almost cried in our game when, when your giant spider died, too. Yeah, I think it's well, just death mo- in general that makes you sad. No, no, no. I, I'm i all for death like of other people. <laughs> what? <laughs> of other all people? All for death of other okay. people in, in RPGs and stuff. Like, you know, I play a, an assassin in Skyrim. It's like, hey, give me your money. No, stab in the face. Took it anyway. Um, but when it comes to things that are like attached to, for example, um, like at one point, like in Skyrim, I actually sort of got attached to a frostbite spider that was trying to kill me, but was following me through throughout the entire world and wasn't resetting. <laughs> I was like, I love you, buddy. Oh, he's biting my hand. Oh, get off. Get, get off. Um, but I wasn't like completely upset when he died. I was... I would I would say that I was like disappointed that he died, but then again I was the one that killed him because he just got annoying. Mm-hmm. Um, but like Walter, for example, Walter actually reminds me of my dad. Mm. He kind of looks like my dad. I was like, oh my god, what if that was dad? Oh my god, he was possessed by a giant shadow monster <laughs> and started to take over the kingdom. So you get emotional about a frost spider who bites you on the ankles and follows you around the world, but you don't seem to care when your entire city throws refuse at me and yells mean names because I'm there to help save them following along behind you. They didn't. They didn't. It was one woman who you then promptly executed. (laughs) She had it coming. (laughs) But then everybody screamed and ran away. Let it be known that my queen is also merciless. <laughs> and I am slightly afraid of her. <laughs> well, not a frost spider following you around, biting you to be attached to, I guess. No, not really, but... <laughs> either <laughs> way, either laughing, way. Laughing meanly at it. I was I was horrified. You, like, turned around and fired a <laughs> pistol in her head. I was like, oh, God. <laughs> no, I gave her many a warning. You, you got pissed off that I was running around and just picking up, like, little experience orb things because I was, like, greeting people. They're like, hey, how's it going? Experience orb. Gold. And you're like, why aren't I getting at this? It's like, I don't know. They love me. And then one of them makes a rude remark and you just get annoyed. You were so pissed off on Skype. <laughs> she kept following me around, like, poking me and saying mean things. So... Th- Obviously, the the rational rational thing to do was turn around and fire a gun in the face. <laughs> it seemed like a good solution at the time. I'm sure it did. A lot like a lot like what it seemed like a good idea at the time to like shove a sword through someone's gut because they're robbing a robbing a bank. I know nothing it's, of what you speak. I was at I'm home. Just, I'm just making up TV. Um, yeah. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> anyway, Cape Newell. Who is an awesome designer is now the seventeenth inductee, and that will happen uh, se- February seventh. 
So if you want to go to LA and like gamble and stuff, you could also see Gabe Newell be uh find find Gabe high five him. Just like right. hey dude, whoosh, that's right. High five. Okay. Other stuff you want to talk about that you're playing? Um, so we've covered Assassin's Creed, we've covered Dishonored, Halo Four. Yes. Everyone uh, says it's short. Did you find it short? Yes, I did. Um, finished in six hours with co-op, obviously. Um, probably would have been shorter had my friend not kept dying all the time and leaving me to the mercy of. <laughs> nice. And then vice versa, then I would keep dying, and then he would be left to the mercy of Covenant. But yeah, I I I thought it was a bit short, and I again I was I was a little bit upset that um certain events occurred. I won't spoil it because the game's still fairly new. But uh, if you follow the Halo franchise, you you will you'll kind of know what I'm talking about from it was end of Halo Three. Everyone said that you know. It's been a long time coming for this event, and it finally happened. I, f- I felt that it was a little bit short. They could have added more to the to the to the campaign. Um, and it, you know, I commendations to three four three industries for picking up Halo Four and then making it feel like it's never left Bungie. Um, actually yes. improving it, so it feels like Bungie have gone. Well, man, we we should have gotten a our asses into gear because it was it was a really amazing game. I was really impressed, and uh, a lot of people say they disliked the sound design for it, like the music and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was again, I I thought it was a little bit refreshing, and it was it was really nice. Um, the final theme, uh, I think it was called Green and Blue, because um, in the soundtrack um, was like a really really touching theme. It was a really nice theme, and it, it sort of encapsulated everything that the the final part of Halo 4 was about. So I was impressed. Um, you know, multiplayer is always fun. Um, I've, I haven't heard many good things about Spartan Ops, but I've yet to try it. So I'm going to, I might do that at some point in the next couple of months um, after Christmas is over. It was interesting talking to Drew Smith, who actually is a producer at Bungie, about the Halo franchise and Bungie's general attitude about uh, Halo 4 coming out and, you know, if it's bittersweet and sort of their reaction and support of it and how excited they were to see it come out. It's a weird turnover. It is. It's like sending your child off to college, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, they've had the Halo franchise for since Xbox One came out. If your student um, was an X-Men. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if your student was an X-Men. Yeah, you know, it'd be like they they've had this this um this Xbox for quite a this Xbox game for quite a while this IP and then the you know they decided that you know they've made what five games Halo two three ODST Reach five um yeah so they made five games and they they got as much of it uh, out as they could um. Obviously, obviously they enjoyed making it, but they felt that they had to move on and, and work on the new IP. Um, so three four three picked it up, and I, I know I think they've done it justice, and it's 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 really good. I just there are some things like like any game, you know, that could be better, um, more length, maybe more missions, maybe that's something they can add on later. Um, I'm dying to see what they do in regards to um, extending the last part. Um, I can't go into into it too much, but there's a 
that that event that happens at the at the end of the game is um really quite a poignant spot in Halo Four, and it sort of raises some questions as to um what will happen next. And I was actually really keen to see you know what what the next mission would be, whether there would be any more to it or, or anything like that. I'm probably also going to watch the Forward Unto Dawn, um, which was the live action thing that they did. Um, for Halo Four. It was on. Who did it? No, no, they they did a uh, uh was it Machinima online oh, yeah. the on on the YouTube, um they did like a a live action, short series, mini series for it, um it was all about Halo Four and and being a recruit at the UNSC, so, yeah it was I know it was it was very interesting and I I look forward to uh to watching it, maybe you and I can watch it sometime. Sounds like a plan. I'm still trying to get into Red versus Blue. Always fun. Yes. Always fun. Okay. Um, anything else that you are playing currently you want to talk about? Um, oh, the usual Pokemon. No, not really. Probably going to go back into Uncharted at some point. Okay. Um, always plenty of games to pick up and start playing. Yes. Let me... Uh, I just got a beta key, actually, yesterday. And it's called Smite. So I will give that a try and uh, and tell you what Smite Beta Battleground of the Gods it's called. And it looks like pretty uh, Odin-esque, you know, kind of a fighter game. So we'll see. And then we'll be able to tell you about that next time. But in the meantime, I think that's plenty, plenty of games and we're already an hour in, so... Thank you to Daniel or at Grim Wizard, G R Y M Wizard on Twitter, and you could tweet him. Maybe he'll respond. <laughs> maybe. A big, huge maybe. <laughs> big, big, huge maybe. Yeah. If I can work out how to use a keyboard. That's right. What do or, these letters do? <laughs> or you can go to our new forum, which is on signalsmedia.com. And there's a great area forum where you can discuss the episodes or just talk in general to us, which would be kind of cool. And uh, I don't think I've used it yet, so I'll have to go look and see if anyone's been leaving us uh, messages or something, and we can respond to that. Also, I would like to announce that due to work schedule being insane uh, around the holidays here and some other stuff, I'm probably going to be less diligent about putting up an episode on Tuesdays. It may end up being once a month, maybe like a little more than that, but it won't be as consistent on a Tuesday as it has been for the last year and a half. Um, part of that is, again, work is just getting really uh, insane. And if you don't like that, well, you know, all 60, 70,000 of you, whatever, um, donate on the page, and uh, then I won't have to go to work anymore. So a dollar would be great. But since that's not really happening, uh, some of us have to go work. And then I will try to have uh, posts letting you know when an episode's going to go up, or you can just be subscribed, as hopefully you are on iTunes, and you'll see it uh, come up. And then maybe after the holidays, in a couple months, um, toward the spring, hopefully I'll be able to go back to a more regular schedule on Tuesdays and such. Um, but in the meantime, don't freak out and don't worry if you don't see an episode on a Tuesday. Uh, if you have any gray areas in your relationships or you need a new perspective, you can always email questions, advice, or suggestions to genesegray at yahoo.com. Or go to signalsmedia.com and leave us some messages. Uh, I love it when you tweet me on at Gray Area Podcast. I will, will, will respond to you there. 
And I leave news and updates for the page and things on Facebook slash Gray Area Podcast. So thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week with a new episode. This podcast is a part of the Signals Media All-Star Network. For more information on this and other fine shows, go to SignalsMedia.com. It's okay to stick our stuff in your ears. Really?